1: Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks.
0: What's up, everybody? DJ Bucky here back in the studio, ready for a brand-new episode of Move the Sticks. What's up, Buck?
2: Everything is good over here. I'm excited about today's episode because anytime we get an opportunity to talk about quarterbacks, it is always great. We can talk about what is important at the quarterback position Got some sound from Clay Helton and Lincoln Riley. And then also from a philosophical standpoint, what are we looking for at each position as you have so eloquently outlined it? Knowing what you want at each spot is important. That's how you have to go into draft day. Yeah, don't go to the grocery store without the grocery list. Know what you
0: want when you go into the draft, and we're going to have a fun discussion on that. Also, some sound from Jason Taylor. Uh, he Jason Taylor talked about something we've talked about in this podcast for a long time, so we'll get to that uh, as well. Let's start off, though. We're talking quarterbacks with this kind of being the year of the quarterback and all these uh, draftable kids that are intriguing, really those big five quarterbacks we're going to focus on throughout the process. But uh, I want to get to The different areas and how you evaluate quarterbacks and where we rate these guys or just say who's the best in all these specific areas but before we get to our discussion buck uh, let's roll some sound we had interview with clay helton and lincoln riley uh, asking them about what they look for what's most important at the quarterback position
2: What are some of the core traits that you now know that my quarterback needs to have to be a successful quarterback in this
1: league? You know, I I, I played the position, and I'm a quarterback coach by trade, and the the things that I've always looked for, the first thing is always the intangibles uh, because that guy uh, is going to be looked at every play. not only your team, but your fans, his body language, how he carries himself, his leadership capabilities, they're going to resonate through the teams. Uh, Then I look at three mechanical deals, and that's basically being able to Throw the ball on time, make great decisions, and how accurate you are. Decision-making, timing, and accuracy. Being able to get the ball in the right place in the right time, allowing a Juju Smith to have separation and get the ball and make yards after catch with it, and then how accurate you are. I look at Sam, he's a 68% quarterback. You know his touchdown-to-interception ratio, very good for a freshman coming in. Um, And then the last thing, and I've always felt this way, is great quarterbacks produce. They produce wins. You show me a great quarterback, you're going to you're gonna have a great team. Uh, there's there's not too many great quarterbacks on, on bad football teams. And, and uh, you know, I look at Sam and what he's done, um, not only in high school. Uh, I go back and look at his junior year when he was hurt, and I think San Clemente won about two games, and then he comes back his senior year and they win the CIF title. Uh, so, same thing for us. So that
2: matters to you. So when you're looking at quarterbacks, it's, mm-hmm. it's not just the skill set, but you want to make sure that their team wins, that they're yeah. a difference maker. Yeah,
1: yeah, I I believe if you're looking at trying to find a true franchise quarterback, somebody that's going to run your team, I I think his production and how he carries his team and and the success that they have is important to look at and to consider.
2: Here with University of Oklahoma head coach Lincoln Raleigh. Coach, you have such a reputation for developing quarterbacks and offenses. And looking at quarterbacks, what are some of the core characteristics that you believe are essential for the position?
3: Well, I've always believed that First off that guy when he's in the huddle's got to make the other 10 guys around him better you know and and you can just feel that with certain guys you know certainly the guy that you know Baker Mayfield we just had was certainly falls into that category but I think that's maybe the most critical factor um and then you know physically we've always looked at you know at accuracy first I think arm strength a lot of times in our opinion is a little bit overrated um, although it's important at times but you got to be accurate you got to be able to make decisions and you've got to be athletic enough to you know run when it's needed and also get yourself out of trouble
2: so many times when I talk to coaches and offensive coordinators they talk about poise what does poise mean to you when you think about your quarterback playing at a
3: high level well, I think being able to, A, keep their composure just within the competitive nature of the game and, and how fiery and competitive these games are. And then I think also it's, it's having poise and, and trusting what you've been coached to do, you know, to, to do your job within whatever system that you're running and trust that regardless of what the game situation is, good or bad, trusting that if I do my job for this team, that that's going to be good enough to get the result that we want.
0: So there you go, Buck. I thought it's, it's interesting to li- listen to those two guys. You talk about Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield, two of the top quarterbacks in this class, have come through those programs. I thought some some wise words there from uh, Coach Heldon and Coach Riley.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Two of the best at developing their quarterbacks and being able to showcase their quarterbacks off. I think it's very, very interesting going all the way back to back to a media day, what Clay Heldon has shared about what he looks for in a quarterback and how that continues to carry on and really hold true. Not only were you going from high school to college, but college to the pros. You're looking for special guys who not only have the physical tools but the intangible qualities to be able to be successful as leaders, which is really the key to the position.
0: All right, so we're going to go through. I've got a long list of categories here. These are things that would go into a report when you're filling out a scouting report for a team. These are different boxes you have to check. You'd have to give them a number grade. Uh, we're going to go through each of these different critical factors and and just say which quarterback of the big five. We're talking Darnold, Rosen, Mayfield, Allen, and Lamar Jackson, which I think we kind of owe it to, to the folks that are listening this has been kind of a hot topic before we get into this list of attributes. We're in agreement on this one, I believe. I can double down just to make sure nothing's changed there. Lamar Jackson is a quarterback for us both, correct,
2: He, he is a quarterback, and I think um, the funny thing in, in having an opportunity to be around some quarterback guys over the weekend, they talked about Lamar Jackson, and some are under the impression that whatever ails him from an accuracy standpoint is really a simple fix when it comes to just widening his base because he throws from such a narrow base. Yep. But the arm talent, the explosiveness as an athlete is there. It just leads me to believe why you would be so infatuated with moving him to another position. I get what he is with the ball in his hands. But the quarterback touches the ball every single play. The easiest way to get him the ball and allow him to make plays is to let him play quarterback and let him do his thing. So we'll continue to talk about it. It's been a big discussion because we had the Hall of Fame uh, inductee and executive Bill Polian talk about Lamar Jackson being up for a position change. I think it's kind of crazy and disrespectful based on what Lamar Jackson has been able to do as a collegiate.
0: I'm pulling up my report here. Throws with This is the part you're talking about. Throws with a very narrow base. He generates velocity despite flipping the ball and failing to generate any power or torque from his lower half, so that is the area he can improve on. My last thought on Lamar Jackson before we start rolling through this list, Buck, is when you're evaluating wide receivers – um I always look he drops right we always talk about he drops so many balls I like to see okay does he how many special catches does he have so we can look at the drop pile but then the special catches kind of offset that at the quarterback position with Lamar Jackson okay he has a couple easy misses here and there but then I look at the explosive plays with his legs so it's a give and take a little bit you may be giving up a little bit of that you going to miss some he's going to miss some layups but Dang, you can't ignore the fact of what he can do with his legs as well. And he's a competent passer. He's competent in that area. He might not be he's, elite, but he's competent.
2: He's competent. I think the biggest thing, is when you look at the numbers, according to Pro Football Focus, of all the big five quarterbacks, he is the one that had the biggest drop percentage by his receivers. His receivers dropped 12% of the passes that hit him, hit them within the strike zone. Uh, we talk about Mayfield and Donald and Rosen and even Josh Allen, who had like 7% uh, of those drops by – his players I, th- I just think a big thing that we have to do is we have to kind of get away from the narrative that normally exists when we talk about these dual third quarterbacks and just look at him for what he is. And I think what anyone can recognize is he's a supremely talented athlete and special player with big time arm talent. Now it's a matter of does your offense coordinator want to take on the challenge of doing that? I still hold out hope that the thing that could help Lamar Jackson in the draft process will be what the Houston Texans were able to do with Le- uh, Deshaun Watson when he yep. was on the field. Bill O'Brien, who has never been known as. As an innovative or creative guy, took Deshaun Watson, basically did Clemson 2.0, and that offense was scoring well over 30 points a game, and Deshaun Watson looked like the offensive rookie of the year. Lamar Jackson is a more explosive athlete. Uh, I would say Deshaun Watson was a better passer at this point. However, Jackson's arm is stronger. He can do a lot of different things. I don't know why you wouldn't be intrigued on taking on someone who can do those things at quarterback.
0: All right, no, I'm with you on that. Let's go through. We've got the five quarterbacks, Darnold, Rosen, Mayfield, Allen, Jackson. Um, let's start accuracy. And what we're going to do is just you get to pick one guy. So You can you can do the same guy for every single category if you think he's the best. But let's just say who we think is the best in all these categories. Start with accuracy, Bucky. Which one of the five you give the nod to?
2: Uh, I'm giving the nod to Baker Mayfield, but I'm giving it with an asterisk. Uh, Baker Mayfield is the most accurate when you look at him on tape. He puts the ball uh, consistently on the spot in the mailbox, uh, throws it within the strike zone. I think the one thing that will be interesting as we continue to go back and do our second and third looks of the quarterback, chart Baker Mayfield's balls and where they go. They really do a lot of screens and at the line of scrimmage throws to the running backs, to the wide receivers, they kind of enhance and inflate his completion percentage. He lives on that. He is accurate at intermediate ranges and, and those things. But he has really lived on that pop pass screen game a lot in Oklahoma's offense.
0: Yeah, and that's, I mean, I've mentioned it before, but when I'm doing these guys, I like to go back and just sort their third and six plus throws so you can kind of eliminate some of those Mm -hmm. bubbles and and tunnels there. Uh, With Baker Mayfield, I'm looking, I'll give you my notes a little bit from there. Um, You know, seam ball throws really, really well. Yep. Um, uh, I thought the ball sailed on him down the field some, forced the ball a little bit. Uh, very accurate on the move extending um, have a couple different things on here where he forced it which is interesting because he's forcing the ball when he's in those obvious situations where yes you, you can't you can't get away with uh, the other stuff so uh, but I do think he throws a nice seam ball Um and, uh, man, we've talked about this before. Deep balls, It knows when he's got an angle and he's got the field. He'll use the whole field to, to lay it up there. So Absolutely. But, anyways, I, I'm with you, though. I would go Mayfield for accuracy. Uh, I'm talking about pure ball placement. I would say Josh Rosen is a real close second, though, in, in that area, especially when kept clean in the pocket. I think Rosen's right there with him. But I would go Mayfield.
2: He throws a beautiful ball. Uh, talking about Josh Rosen, the way the ball comes out of his hands, the way that he throws it, it looks like teaching tape. It's a clinic. He is the best guy. If you were able to play a flag football game and he was the all-time quarterback, he would light you up because there's no threat of him ever getting hit. The big thing for Josh Rosen is his ability to maneuver within the pocket when it collapses. But in terms of throwing it, yeah, he and Baker Mayfield are right up there as the top two. In my
0: opinion, this is the most important important category here, and that is poise. I mentioned this when I was with the Ravens. We went back and did a study on quarterbacks. What's the one trait that the, all the great ones going all the way back through all the Hall of Famers talking to old scouts and and going all the way through to today, I think poise is is number one for me. Who would you give that nod to with poise?
2: It's funny because uh, I, I think poise is, can they calm the game down? Can they slow the game down when the game is the most chaotic? And I would say the guy that does that the best is Sam Darnold. And the reason I will say that is because, like, you have to ignore some of the gunslinger plays and the plays that go awry. But poise is really shown when your team is down. When it's a critical situation, the game is on the line. Two-minute drill at the end of half, at the end of game. How do you execute when you have to make these big boy throws and everyone in the stadium knows that it's on you to make it happen? I think Sam Darnold excels in those situations. And I think his poise may be the best characteristic and trait that he has, and it's why so many people are willing to bank on him being maybe the number one quarterback in this class.
0: I don't think I could say it any better. I have Darnold there. So your Mayfield accuracy, Darnold poise, I'm with you on Darnold poise as well. Uh, And I can go back to seeing him, Utah game, Texas game, go back to Penn State the year before. Uh, Even Texas at the end of the first half, having that little poise check the ball down to Ronald Jones and he ends up... Scorn on yes. that play just so showed some poise there. Decision-making, number three here, decision-making with all these guys. Who do you give the nod to?
2: I give it to Baker Mayfield. I give it to Baker Mayfield because of all the quarterbacks that I was looking at. He had the fewest hiccups, meaning fewest forced throws in the traffic that you know are contested that should be, oh, Yep. Decisions. I didn't see as many from him as I saw some of the other guys. I think he has a clear understanding of who he is and how he, he needs to make plays. And even when he's running around and scrambling, he wasn't as prone to making the bad throws or the bad decisions as some of the other guys in the class.
0: Yeah, I, this is interesting. It's a fun exercise. We have not talked about this ahead of time. So I, I'm with you. We're in agreement on the first three things, Mayfield, with decision making. And some of that is some of those defenses they play and the offenses they run. He's not forced to put the ball into Jeopardy. Absolutely. So, But, again, I think decision-making, you nailed it. I like the fact that Baker Mayfield will take a sack, as dumb as that sounds. I like the fact that he'll just eat it and take you, a sack.
2: You can't turn the ball over. If you, if you really want to win games at the highest level, I think everyone understands Tom Brady is kind of the standard. He and Aaron Rodgers. And the two things that these guys share, they don't turn the ball over. They refuse to give the ball to the other team. Turnovers are the biggest deciding factor in games. They're also demoralizing to your team. It's something about seeing your guy throw it to the other team that takes some of the energy out of the stadium. If you do that and you can learn how to just be a ball-secure player, you have an opportunity. Baker Mayfield certainly has been able to show that. I think, all right, so we,
0: we are right down the line in agreement, and I guarantee we're in agreement on this one, arm strength.
2: Uh, Josh Allen. <laughs> I mean, Josh Allen um, has the biggest holes. Part of the reason he is intriguing and fascinating in the conversation as a top quarterback is because physically he is gifted. He has size. He has athleticism. He has a A-plus arm. He can make every throw that you want to see with zip and velocity. The thing that he has to be able to do is – as a major league. Can he control it? He's wild thing. Can he control it? If he can control the fastball and the heater, he'll have an opportunity to do some really, really good things in the pros.
0: Yeah, I went with Josh Allen as well, and it, it's easy for him. He doesn't have to strain to be able to generate velocity. He can do it uh, without really incorporating his lower half, but he does incorporate his lower half and gets some ridiculous RPMs. So Josh Allen, I think of this group, clearly has the strongest arm, although I would say, as we mentioned a little bit earlier, Lamar Jackson's arm is, is plenty good. strong. Plenty pretty good. Strong, pretty strong. Toughness for this one here buck
2: i want lamar jackson in this category okay part of the reason we're lamar jackson we had talked about that nc state game when nc state absolutely beat him to a pulp because bobby petrino refused to keep extra guys in to protect against one of the best defensive lines in all of college football uh lamar jackson continues to get up down after down when he runs the ball he is not afraid of contact i would advise against that as the pros but Look, this is a tough dude, and I know we've talked about his slender frame and how he's built, but this dude is tough. He plays hard, plays with a chip on the shoulder. I think he might be the toughest at the position. Yeah, that's a good
0: one. This is the first one where we'll have a different answer. I will go back to Darnold on this one, and that is just because, again, he gets up each and every time. He's He will put his body on the line when he takes off to run as well. Doesn't do it as often as Lamar Jackson does, but he'll fight for extra yards. I love the fact that – uh man, I was at that Ohio State game. He got the crud knocked out of him in that game. Might have hit him twenty something times in that, saw with my own eyes, and just mm-hmm. always answers the bell.
2: So uh, I mean that was a big that was a big thing I would say you talk about the Ohio State game. He got beat up, man. He got beat mm-hmm. up. His offensive line was getting whooped and he did continue to answer the bell and it was a game in which it could have been easy for him to just tap out. Yep. And Deuce and knowing he was going on, but he stuck stuck in there. I think those are the things that resonate not only to coaches but to his teammates. All
0: right, this one's tough because you're basing this off of what we hear from other folks, but leadership.
2: I went with Sam Donald in terms of leadership, and part of the reason I went with Donald, um, I think it's kind of like a pickup game. In basketball, there's certain guys that never come off the court. I think Sam Donald is that kind of guy. Now, as well established that he was a big-time basketball player in high school, really like – I just got the background on him. I didn't know he only played really three or so he a, games. He, he was a linebacker. Yeah, he was a linebacker in football. Didn't really have an opportunity to play quarterback really extensively into his senior season. So in knowing that, all of us on the come. But the big thing that he brings is that leadership ability. And I think basketball has helped him convey that. When we've seen his team down, we've seen him be able to show flashes of bringing them back. I think that is one of the biggest traits. Uh, we talked in the summer to Clay and He said the biggest thing that a quarterback can do is provide hope. Mm-hmm. Sam Darnold gives your team hope. To me, that is the ultimate sign of leadership.
0: Yeah, and it's different style. I mean, Baker Mayfield, obviously the more the most vocal leader of anybody very in this group. Very demonstrative. Dog, yes. uh, I would go with Darnold, though, as well, because it's not even just what you say, it's what you do. And I just think he handles his business widely respected by everybody that's around him. And I think when it's go time, he's he, he makes it happen. I just – um, I, I buy into his leadership, although it's not a very vocal uh, style of leadership. All right, this is another one, tough one because we're relying on, on kind of what you hear from, from scouting buddies, but intelligence.
2: Uh, I'm going to go with Josh Rosen on this one. Uh, Josh Rosen's aptitude is off the charts. His ability to understand big concepts, big information, and be able to will it down and, and get it uh, to where he understands and is able to execute it on the field quickly. He can do it. You hear from the UCLA coaches what they were able to do early Uh, in his career it's because Josh Rosen really really had a keen understanding of not only offensive football but defense and defensive coverages I think he's going to be a guy in any offensive scheme I think he can pick up the playbook and I think he can take it on the field and Uh, thrive it just be a matter of if his physical ability will allow him to do it particularly when it comes to the movement skills
0: yeah i'm with you i go with rosen on that one as well and just from the complex offense he ran in high school all the way through there to ucla bouncing from coordinator to coordinator Uh, picking it up has not been an issue for him intelligence uh, i'll give rosen the nod although i think we've got some other strong candidates among these five here all right this is an interesting one i think we'll have a we could have interesting debate on this one
2: creativity you know, it's funny because, I I mean, I kind of would split this up and it would go between Lamar Jackson and Baker Mayfield in terms of their ability to create inside and outside the pocket. But I guess you could also throw in another guy, the guy from Wyoming, Allen, because he makes a ton of plays. I think the big thing when it comes to Lamar Jackson, his creativity is just his ability to make things happen when it breaks down. He is, in, I mean, a damn world-class athlete with the ball in his hands and then you throw the fact that he can make throws on the move and from the pocket. He's special. Baker Mayfield also has the ability to improvise and do some things. I think this is a category where you could have, like, a three-headed monster at the top. I think any of these guys could walk away with a sticker. Here's where I disagree with you. I think it's a four-headed monster.
0: Oh, I think you look at Sam Darnold uh, cre- about creatively, what he's done. A lot of his those guys, yeah, trademark I mean, plays are off-schedule plays.
2: I mean, I mean, like that. All the way down the line. I think that's the funny thing, and I also think that is a big selling point in meeting rooms. If you – You really look at the best quarterbacks. Tom Brady is kind of the outlier in terms of, like, yeah, he can kill you from the pocket. His creativity is in his subtle movement skills within the pocket. Aaron Rodgers' creativity comes his ability to make second reaction plays. Escapability. And so you have to have those quarterbacks because as much as play callers would like the game to be scripted and go according to the plan, it doesn't. And you need to have a quarterback that can erase some of those poor calls there are four guys that can do it. I, I mean, I can agree with you. I mean, I think you can put any. It's interesting
0: that that's the Josh Rosen hang-up is this one particular area because all these other guys get themselves out of trouble. They're yes. creative and make things happen. Rosen, when it's taken off the sheet, is is good or better than all these guys. But when it's off the sheet, how I think only, that's where he trails how, these, how these how other four function. guys.
2: And and that this is why I would say, and it, it's going to sound like duh, Josh Rosen would be better on one of the teams that pick later in the first round. Yep. You put Josh Rosen on a team. Oh, he can that's win big. Ready big. He, can, he can win big because I think of all of the quarterbacks, he might be the most ready to play based on what he brings to the table from the neck up. However, the lack of creativity could make him look uh, bad if he's not with the right situation in terms of the offensive line.
0: Yeah, you know, it, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you could even make a case – of the teams that are picking high, <laughs> the one team he doesn't want to go to would make the most sense because Cleveland actually has a pretty decent offensive line a collection of talent up front Yep, that could support his ability. i got to make a call there on the creativity, so I will go. I'm going to go with Jackson on that one. Um, again, though, I think any of those four guys would be good choices. And but, I think you really can
2: make a strong case for Josh Allen because if we think about the checks, if we want to check off the boxes, the things that are like elite qualities for Josh Allen – that might be his most oh, yeah. elite. We think about what Pat Mahomes was able to do at Texas Tech. I think we could put their highlight reels side by side, and I think they could go throw for throw when it comes to being impromptu, off-platform, inside, outside the pocket, rolling to either side. Both of those guys certainly deserve to be in, a con- they could be in that conversation.
0: All right, the next one, durability. I mean, that's – there's
2: so I mean, I mean really I think all those guys all those guys played. I think Allen got won. nicked up this year, missed a couple games. Yeah, The guys that you could eliminate would be Rosen Rosen's and out. Allen, but Jackson, Darnold, Mayfield. I think all those guys started every game and finished every game. Yeah, I don't think Jackson's
0: missed any time. I have to go no. back through and look at that.
2: Not not at he all. did not
0: play against Syracuse in 2015. Um, and then Virginia, the next game, did not look like he had stats there. So I have to go back and double-check that. I probably should have done that ahead of time. But uh, that that's the one that I would say he maybe missed two games in three years, maybe.
2: Um, uh, again – But Mayfield I, hasn't missed any. Sam Darnold hasn't missed any games. Yeah. Um, um, and but I think it, the durability is – it's not your inability to get hurt, but it's your ability to play, play through, through any bumps and bruises and anything that you sustain along the way. Um Eli Manning, the franchise quarterbacks, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, the best thing that they do outside of what they bring to the table, you know every Sunday they're going to be in the lineup and that gives you a chance to win. I think you put multiple
0: people there. I'm going to put Darnold slightly over Mayfield just because he's got a bigger frame. Even though they've both been very durable, I'll give him a little bit of a a nudge there because he's just a bigger dude. Athletic ability. I mean, this is Lamar Jackson. I don't know. We need to really go into that one. I'm excited to see what he runs. I think he may run something ridiculous. Um, How about release? Release let's see to me it's down to two I would Josh Rosen has a textbook release and I think yeah. Lamar Jackson with just a quick quick uh, whip, really
2: whip, I'm surprised I word thought word. Josh Allen would be in that category in terms of
0: Josh Allen has a good release too but I, I just think in terms of how quick it is I would say I think I would put Rosen I mean
2: Rosen Rose has the cleanest stroke yeah. for sure
0: the only one Darnold would be lagging behind the other four in this one just with the release even though it's quick it's long so uh I'm gonna go with Rosen on that one. How about pocket awareness?
2: Pocket awareness. Um I think Mayfield is really, really good at understanding how to find passing lanes in the pocket, when it breaks down, when to escape, when to hang in there. Um I like his maneuverability. Uh, I won't necessarily call him Russell Wilson because he doesn't have that athleticism, but I can see hints of the Drew Brees thing as he matures. I'll go with Mayfield in that.
0: Yeah, I think Darnold, that's an area just in terms of the ball security inside the pocket, he's got to improve that. Um, So I would would lean towards Mayfield in this one. Um, Josh Allen can definitely um, get himself out of some trouble when he's in there, but just he can still improve on working and sliding inside the pocket Lamar is underrated, I think, in this area with pocket awareness. Definitely improvement from last year to this year uh, with him. Yeah, I think so. I'd go Mayfield. I'd go Mayfield pocket awareness. All right, last one in these uh, quarterback traits here. Clutch. We can go with the clutch factor.
2: Uh, I'm going to Sam Darnold. Yeah. Um, we talk about two-minute drills, game-winning drives. I'm a big believer in that. I'm a big believer in that stat whenever I go to pro football reference. I'm looking to see fourth-quarter comebacks, game-winning drives because ultimately that is what the franchise quarterback is expected to do. If we get you the ball back with two minutes left and an opportunity to win the game, close out the game, elite quarterbacks are able to do that. Sam Darnold has enough evidence of showing that. We saw it again the Rose Bowl a season ago. We saw it Against Texas, we've seen it numerous times throughout the course of the season, being able to bring his team back when they were teetering on the brink. Sam Darnold, to me, is the most clutch quarterback in this draft class.
0: All right, so just based off of those traits here, uh, tally up your score. Did you write your guys down over there who you went with? I'll I'll, I'll give you mine. So I ended up having – I had Darnold with five wins in those categories. I had Mayfield with three wins in those categories. Uh, Jackson and Rosen, I had two apiece. And then Allen, I had one. But that's how I, just in terms of going through these. And again, a lot of the, several of these are, you know, pick them. I think several of the guys are excellent in these categories. But just doing a tiebreaker, I ended up with, and Darn look, that's, I have Darnold as my, my top guy. So I had him with, with the most of those factors.
2: It's funny because the dude who I have at the top, he doesn't have the least. He has three. It's it's weird to see. this. this Tally four, him up here, Buck. One, two. Darnold has three. Mayfield one two. Mayfield has three and a half. Three, He threw a half on him. He split the vote. I got I got three, he splits up here. He has three. Jackson one two three four. But like all the Jacksons are like creativity. Yeah. They stuff. Rosen has two. Um, I think the big thing is. Like three and a half, four. I have them all kind of lumped together. Yeah, so it's a tight opposing. group. Yeah, it's a very, very tight group. And I think that's really what we've talked about. And I think if you then even further break it down amongst the categories, the team that's picking and the play caller, depending on what they emphasize, are they? Is their emphasis accuracy, poised playing in the pocket? Well, certain guys are going to rank in a certain way. If their thing is on creativity and athleticism, other guys will rank to the top. It is really, as you say, down at the bottom when we talk about the category that's coming up, you got to know what you want. You have to know what you want long-term in a franchise quarterback, and that is going to be the determining factor when we shake all these guys out at the end of the draft. All right, real quick, before we now go to sorting
0: out some of these positions here in terms of what we're looking for, I want to just give a couple of thoughts. So we're talking about quarterbacks. We mentioned leadership up above. I was just thinking about this and, and some things I've come across lately, and it. I just want to get this out of here real quick and just get your thoughts on it. But I was thinking about great leaders and some of the things that they have in common. Uh, I wrote down a couple of things here. I think you be—you got to have some humility to be a great leader. I think you have to be able to say it's about others. It's not about myself. It's about serving, serving others. So humility and service, I thought, were two big components for great leaders. I don't think you can ever learn if you lack humility because you already think you've got everything. So I think there's something to be said for always trying to evolve and grow, as a as a as a player, as a worker, as a lead, all those areas, and not beating your chest and saying you've already arrived there. The other thing I wrote down was I love emotion. Emotion's important. I always talk about bringing energy. I get that,
2: but to me, devotion over emotion. The work, yes. the work over the talk. Absolutely. Um, both of those things are are critical, and they're two things that we talk about on Elite Eleven Tour all the time: serving leadership is a big thing. Can you do more for others than you ask them to do for you? Are you willing to take a backseat to help other guys elevate themselves? That is the mark of a true leader. Then when it comes to the emotion, uh, devotion over emotion, we always talk about, are you willing to do the lonely work? the dirty work. When no one's around, are you willing to go into the film room? Are you willing to go into the open field and work on your drops when no one is there watching you? You're not making an IG video. You're just working. The best guys at the position are the ones that work the hardest when no one is watching. Having an opportunity to watch, look, Tom versus time on Facebook. Tom Brady is the standard and Rodgers is Both those guys understand it. But when you look at Tom Brady and you see how much he is willing to put in to be the best quarterback in the game, it says a lot from eating to the workouts to the film study to getting along with his teammates. He goes above and beyond. And the great ones all have that common trait. And so you're right. Humility, servant leader. You have to have those guys. You got to be devoted to being the best at your craft and maximizing your opportunity
0: to play. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that, Buck. That's great stuff. You guys doing that on the Elite Eleven uh, tour as well? Just something that was going through my mind. Want to get that out. All right, sorting through players in the year 2018 is different than it was when we started on the scouting trail back in the day. Um, I think now you have to. I, I'm looking at wide receivers. This is how I got to this discussion. I was watching some wide receivers and I'm trying to sort them. And I'm watching them. like, Okay, well, I got six foot four you know, four five five and then I've got five eleven who's gonna play in the slot who's was hundred and ninety five pounds as this set and the other. I thought, you know what, not all teams are gonna see these guys in similar fashion. You have to know what you want. What do you have on your roster? What do you need? And so just kinda different categories for these wide receivers. I don't think I don't think you really need to blend those guys in together. Just say these are the best big guys. Here's the best guys who I think are the number two pile of wide receivers. Here's the best group of slot receivers. So if you're in the market for a returner, so you want to find a combination slot returner, you've got to know exactly what you're shopping for.
2: It's funny that you are having this conversation. Uh, I had the opportunity over the weekend to spend time with Teddy Bridgewater and Jarvis Landry. They came to uh, a camp that I was working, the Nike opening Elite 11 camp. And we talked about the league is a league full of specialists. And what you're trying to do when you're building a team as a personnel guy, you want to give your people enough tools to be able to reach into the toolbox and and have whatever they need to be successful. As an offensive or defensive coordinator, it is about understanding what everybody does well and putting them in a position to do that special skill. So now as we break up these categories, particularly at at wide receiver, we've talked about your wide receiver room should look like a basketball team. Got some big, got some little, got some quick guys, got some shooters, got some guys that can do a bunch of different skills, and then a great offensive coordinator can find a way to blend it in and put it in the pot and make it like gumball. Red zone guys. I want big, tall, I want alley specialist guys that can box out and make it happen. Those number one and number two receivers, they're different. Number one is a guy that can pretty much do it all, I think. There are he can few play of those outside guys, yeah. He can go in the slot. He can make it happen down the field, but he also excels at being able to really – pick up first downs the number two guy is a complimentary guy that plays on the backside he has one special trait that allows him to complement the number one That may be he's the vertical guy, and all he does is run the vertical routes and the comeback. He may be the chain mover, the guy that does the dirty work in the middle of the field, but the number two guy is someone who has just a very specified role and skill set that allows him to be successful.
0: You get to, like, cornerbacks, to me, you look at different type guys. You want an outside guy, you want an inside guy. Now we have a lot of guys that are combo guys. They're free safeties but can also be your big nickel. Yes. So knowing exactly what you're looking for in that position as well. Again, there's those Julio Jones that does everything. There's Jalen Ramsey that does everything. There's one or two of those guys in every draft. That's it. So the rest of them, you got to know exactly what you're looking for. Uh, The cornerback position is another example there. And linebacker is a position where we've talked about what you could be looking for there as well.
2: The thumper and the floater, meaning linebacker. The thumper is the guy that can play in the middle. He can take on. He's the really physical presence. The floater is the guy that is the run and chase, the sideline to sideline guy, as we used to call it back in the old days. At corner, and I'm going to go back to corner. Corner the reason you have to have cornerbacks that are kind of varied in what their skill set are is because we just talked about all the different guys that yeah you got to go up against. So you have to match up big corners, and the way we reference big at when I was in Seattle, we talked about five ten or higher. I'm gonna say big corners to me are anybody over six foot because yeah. finding a six foot corner to me is a special quality. That means they can line, not only line up with the big wide receivers, but some games you can match them up on the tight end. Outside versus inside. An outside cornerback, to me, the difference between him playing in the slot, footwork needs to be clean. He needs to be able to play press and off. Um, He might not be as agile or as quick because in the slot, the slot should be your best cornerback because the demands on him. you got to do everything dealing with the two-way goals, being able to be a factor in the run game. It's a special player that plays nickel. And nickel used to be downgraded like, hey, we're just going to take any little guy and make him nickel. No, your your most polished guy should go in the nickel because it's the challenge of dealing with the Edelmans and all the other guys that play in the slot. And then that hybrid position, the free safety nickel, that is the new growing position. Guys that can play safety but then drop down to the nickel, that is the way it should be. And it goes all the way back to when I was in Seattle, Dick Roach is a long time defensive back coach. And he said back in the day, Sean Springs would be the ideal safety mm-hmm. because Sean Springs at the time was maybe two six two two ten two fifteen two, long arms could play obviously in space, but also could drop down. That's what we're looking for. That guy needs to be a decathlete. He needs to be able to do everything to be a special player at the
0: position. All right. The, uh, Talked about linebackers, thumpers, and floaters. Going to get to the defensive ends. Now you're looking at different guys, so kind of a base end or a rush end. But on the topic of defensive ends, I want to run some sound real quick because I thought Jason Taylor nailed something that we've been talking about on the pod for a long time. And it's not we're not talking baseball, but in football you do need a closer.
1: Defensive standpoint, who is a team that is maybe
0: that one guy away?
4: Well, I, I know people don't want to hear this about this football team because they're not really – very far away because they were there but I'm going to say the New England Patriots I know bear with me here
2: <laughs> <So> they're, <laughs> they're,
4: they're missing that Bill Cow pass rusher they're, they're really missing that guy that can he's get right. after you on he's third down and, right. and, and change a football game like and, and as David talked about right.
0: Right? I'm they, you. they miss a closer so Buck he talked about they were talking about the New England Patriots uh, referencing them what they were missing and have somebody yes. close out a game that, to me, we're talking about defensive ends like a base end. You're going to be a left end. You're going to be able to force the run versus somebody that can get home as a pass rusher. Jason Taylor talked about the importance of having somebody that can close out a game with a pass rusher. You
2: have to be able to close out the game, and I think it's very important that you build your team not only for your division but for the environment and conditions that you play in. We talked about Atlanta and what they were able to do with Tack McKinley, Vic Beasley. They wanted guys who could hunt the pass because their team was typically going to play from ahead. When you're a team that has a prolific offense, it's really important that you put a premium on pass rushers. We saw that years ago with the Indianapolis Colts, Robert Mathis, Dwight Freeney. That closer, that closer has to be able to shut the game down when they know. The other team is in an obvious passing situation. They can get that wide nine stance to come around the edge. You have to be able to find those guys. They're hard to find, but if you can find one, it makes a difference. And,
0: again, those guys are in different piles. And you're in the draft room looking up at that board, you got kind of your base in, your rush in.
2: Same Same technically position, two different dudes. Two completely different dudes, and they deserve to be paid accordingly because the closer is far more important than the the stuff-to-run guy. you got to be able to knock the quarterback down. There's a premium on that position.
0: And the last one to kind of go full circle from where we started on the pod today – quarterback position conventional versus new school and it's kind of self-explanatory there you got to know okay can we commit to doing this a new way if we can it opens up a whole new group of options here at the position
2: I I do and I believe the game is going to continue to trend like that because when you see guys like Nick Foles that can have success running RPOs and some of the things that are doing on the collegiate level and the high school level you're going to see more offensive coordinators kind of follow suit
0: all right let's uh Let's get rolling here. That's the that's just our focus on know what you want before you go into the draft room. That's our advice to the folks out there uh, of the 32 teams getting ready to get ready for uh, April's draft. One little surprise here. I don't even know if we even tease us at the top of the show, Buck. We got a special guest that's going to join us. One of the best defensive players in the entire draft class. That's Washington's Vita Vea. All right, very special guest here for us today, Buck. We got Vita Vea, big time defensive tackle from the University of Washington, join us. How you doing, man? I'm doing
4: good. How you guys doing?
2: Yeah, how's the training going? How's everything been in this process for
4: you? Uh, the process itself has been, you know, really amazing. Um, it's really enjoyable. You know, I met a lot of good guys here. Uh, the staff over here, you know, they're, they're really helpful in, in, in the training and getting us through this process. So it's, it's It's fun overall. Right, I got to get to
0: the question. Me and Bucky been dying to know because I, I've seen you play live a couple times. Me and Bucky were together at your bowl game, the Fiesta Bowl, and we kept talking about this same play over and over and over again, which was you covering a punt and making a tackle on punt. So I need to know two things. I've seen you block punt as well. Did, did they? What was your reaction when they asked you to be on special teams? Did you ask to be on special teams? How the heck is a man your size doing this much work on
4: special teams? Um. So you know. Coach Pete always talks about it, and uh, he tells us that um, you don't you don't come you don't come to University of Washington to play um, on shield punt. You come to play as a defense tackle, so that's your gift to the team, and like your your job to uh, to your teammates. To, so going out there and you know making plays and whatever I can do to help out my team is. You know, it's what is what makes me happy out there. So, you know, I've seen the opportunity come on on punt and he's running towards me. Now, like, this is my moment. I can't miss.
2: <laughs> well, one thing that was your moment, obviously, in high school, I don't know if people know this, you may have run the ball a little bit as a big time, big body running back. Well, in the bowl <laughs> game, you got an opportunity to face against one of the best running backs in college football, and Saquon Barkley. Talk about that experience. What did you learn? from going against a top running back like Barkley?
4: You know, it was, it was a good experience. You know, he's a good running back. He's really, you know, he's really shifty and really fast. You know, it's in the Pac-12 where, where we normally meet the guys in the hole and get and get a tackle for loss. But, you know, Saquon was able to, you know, buy some time with his feet and get out of get out of the hole and get gain some extra yards. So, you know, it was, it was a good experience. Um, trying to adapt throughout the game and, you know, try to figure out ways to bring him down and stop him getting all those yards.
0: Well, he's a bad dude, and uh, and you're a bad dude yourself, one of the top players in this draft class. Comparison-wise, I know, Bucky, you've compared him to Poe, to Don Terry Poe. I've compared you to Haloti Nadu. I've been around a little bit. How about you yourself? If you, if you had to compare yourself to one player at the next level, maybe somebody you, you
4: idolized growing up or somebody you paid attention to. Um... Someone I really paid attention to was—he used to play for the 49ers back in the day. And being a, me, being a Bay Area kid, I watched a lot of Justin Smith. And uh, you know that guy—he he used a lot of power moves and stuff. And uh, it was kind of hard for offensive linemen to to move him off the ball. So um, you know, even even throughout high school, I tried to copy some of his moves. Um, you know, I, I when I got to Washington. Uh, I learned a lot from Danny Shelton, uh, being that you know we're kind of similar in size. So uh, I try to, you know, mimic some of his passes, Lou, because you know he was he was a great pass rusher. So I learned a lot from him as well.
2: You know, and thinking about that comparison with Danny Shelton, you talked about being able to learn from him. He obviously was a first round pick. If we had to do a tell of the tape, what are some of the things that you would say that you are better at than Danny Shelton was during his time at UW? Come on, you don't have to be humble. Don't here. be shy. Don't be shy. shy. On, you, 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 it's just we us. all know what they are. We it's just want to just hear us. you say it. It's That's just it. Us. He'll never even know.
4: <laughs> um, let me see. Um, it's kind of it's kind of hard to say. You know, some someone I looked up to uh, going there, but you know, I'd say quickness and uh, you know. Being able to run run guys down, even though Danny was able to run guys down too as well. Um, but yeah, I feel I feel like there's like a lot of similarities between us. Uh, you know, I'm taller, so I kind of might have an advantage there. Well, how about this one? How about this one, Danny? Danny ran, and I love Danny.
0: Danny is a top ten player, uh, but Danny ran. I think five five coming out. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I'm getting at right there. You aren't running five five when we get to Indianapolis, speed Don't
4: uh, be honest with me. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. I think I had Danny on speed, so you know that's that's. One thing I'm I'm better
0: at. You see that T V behind you? You got that nice uh, T V monitor behind you? I don't know if it's a computer or yeah. TV. I'd be willing to bet you about ten of those that you don't run five five uh, when we get to when we get to Indianapolis.
2: <laughs> uh, I'm I'm pretty sure of it. Um during your time at UW or doing your time playing football throughout your career your lifetime, what has been your biggest highlight?
4: My biggest highlight throughout my whole life or whole life uh, UW career.
2: Entire time, whole life,
4: on,
0: anything could on, be on the field or off the field. Just your greatest highlight.
4: Greatest highlight. It'd be that's a that's a, that's a that's a hard one because you know there's there's a lot uh, off the top of the head. If I were to choose, um, I went study abroad. For my, for my major, and we went to the French Polynesia oh, wow. to Whoa. learn about the culture and, uh, you know, to learn more about their people and how they live off the land. And, uh, you know, it was a great experience. We, we actually lived with the people um, our time there. So, you know, it was a great experience for me and seeing how people still are able to live without technology. And... Uh, you know, they still farm and grow their own food. So, you know, um, it was kind of a shock for me to see, like, to see all that coming from, you know, the U.S. and going over there. Uh, it's kind of like taking a step back in time. So it was, it was really cool to see and, and um, you know, still seeing those people, I like, with smiles on their face and, you know, having a good time. So um, i say say that's, that's up there. I'm not sure if it's. That's a great one, man. Number I thought one. I thought you were going to say, you know, hey, we beat Colorado in the Pac-12
0: championship or something boring like that. Now we're in French Polynesia, learning about living off the land. That's what I'm talking about, right there. <laughs> all right, how about next one? We we do these three questions with everybody that comes on, all the players. So we did the highlight. How about the greatest hardship you've had to overcome in your life? Could be on the field, off the field, just a great hardship you've overcome.
4: Um, a great hardship. Um, a great hardship that I faced. You know, when I was when I was uh younger. Um, you know, we got uh as kids. I I was about in the fourth grade, I think. Uh, we had gotten evicted from our house, and uh, you know, my, my dad just got diagnosed with diabetes. Uh, my brother is only two, three years older. Or he was in sixth grade, and I was in fourth grade. Uh, my sister was away at college. And my mom was working every day, like three, four different jobs. So, um, you know, being evicted and being kids, like, we didn't understand anything. So um, me and my brother had to take it upon ourselves to, you know, pack everything up and, you know, step into that man and uh, grow fast. So I feel like that was a good part oh, not. that was one of the, yeah, that's Biggest a pow- powerful hit. story.
2: Very powerful. So who is your hero?
4: Hero. I'd say God. You know, I'm a man of faith. Um, so I'd say God if, if, if he's, he's my hero.
0: That's that's great stuff, man. Hey, Avita, we know you got a, a lot going on, training, getting ready for the combine. We're both going to be out in Indianapolis. We look forward to seeing you there. A uh, fun player to watch, and I'll tell you what, I've been, had more fun talking with you than I did watching you this year. Right? Best of luck in Indianapolis and through the rest of your journey. Appreciate it. Hey, Buck, we've had a lot of guys uh, that have rolled through here in studio, and then we had one there with Skype with Vita Vea, one of, my, one of my all-time favorites there to talk to.
4: Great interview, a
2: lot of perspective, a lot of depth to him. I think when you're a team, you're looking for guys that are really complete, really about it. I think he's certainly about it that devotion over emotion in terms of his leadership style and what he wants to do.
0: Yeah, I'm a big fan of him as a player and like him even more after getting a chance to visit with him. Uh, one of the best players in the draft. Got to tell you guys, thank you so much. Uh, lately I've seen a bunch of those reviews and uh, and ratings there on uh, Apple Podcasts, which has been great. We're climbing up those charts each and every week. Buck, as we get closer to the draft, the Move the Six podcast is kind of everybody's place to go.
2: Come to us. We have a lot of cool projects on the horizon. Oh, there's in some good the stuff coming. There's some good stuff coming. So make sure you pay attention. We got all your draft stuff, draft info. We'll definitely free agency. But right now it's our time. We're gonna talk about the draft extensively on the Move the Sticks podcast.
0: Yeah, we got you covered here. Tell a friend, do us uh do us a solid there. We appreciate you guys listening. Uh we'll be back again here in a couple days with more draft goodness coming your way here on Move the Sticks. He's Bucky Brooks. I'm Daniel Jeremiah. We'll catch you next time.